Today's reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20 from the New Living Translation. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He travelled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who is now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Good morning. Good morning, Oasis Church. Um, my name is Alice and I have got the absolute privilege of taking us through the final part of our Advent uh, series. Uh, if you haven't managed to catch the series so far, I would 100% recommend uh, checking out Adrian and Rich's talk. Um, and I've, I'm really chuffed to be able to get to do the last bit of this, this series. Um, we're going to be looking at Luke 2, as Dr. Tom Rochester so beautifully read for us. Uh, just a shout out to the Rochesters. Miss you big time. They have been absolutely fantastic during lockdown, inspiring us with sunflower competitions, Mrs. Rochester dropping round baked goods to the thirst group. Um, my word, I'm totally voting for Jenny to be on the next Great British Bake Off, but shout out to you guys. Um, now, I must say, I was so chuffed when I got given this passage in Luke 2. I am such a Christmas fan. If those of you that have spent some time living with me or just in close proximity to me in this season, I'm so excited for Christmas. I was that child in year one who got the privilege of being Mary in our school nativity. 
Um, you might see a, a very <laughs> terrifying photo pop up in a, in a few seconds of me in my heights <laughs> as Mary, dizzy heights of my acting career there. Yeah, don't I look cute? I think the fringe was a bit better then as well. Anyway, never mind. My acting career then took a bit of a, a plunge in the subsequent nativities uh, as I got the roles of the evil stepmom. Like, how bad is that for a small child getting booed at various points? And then even in year six being the millennium bug. That tells you how old I am. But at least I didn't get the role uh, that my friend Lucy got of uh, the Millennium Wheel, also known as the London Eye. Um, I mean, if you're going to give a child a complex <laughs> in a school nativity, make her the London Eye. Um, I'll work you, tell you, let your parents work out how that costume was constructed and then carried across the stage. Now, maybe we've got some small people tuning in this morning. Uh, my challenge to you while I, I'm talking is I want you to try and have a go at drawing uh, whatever characters you can remember that are in the Christmas story. And if you get time, a little bit of extra time, pick one out uh, and write down some of the things that maybe they were feeling that Christmas morning when Jesus appeared. Now, for the less smaller people amongst us, maybe you've got some fun stories of the characters that you played in the nativity or unusual nativities that you've seen this year or previous. I know teachers are having to be a bit creative this year. Why don't you pop those in the chat? I'd, I'd love to see what what characters, whether I was the only one that got the, the rogue costumes or not. Um, now, I'm going to be taking us through Luke 2, um, as I said, and that's, I'm going to divide that into two parts, the good news and the good news for everyone. Now, the good news, as wonderful as children's nativities are, we know they're not a true reflection of what really went down that Christmas. You see, the, the story begins in a season of hopelessness, a nation, a people under brutal occupation by the Romans. It wasn't just a bad year for them. It's a bad few centuries. At, the at this time of desperation comes the most unexpected and unplanned year for Mary and Joseph. They started off their year in love, planning their wonderful wedding, maybe even planning names of their children. Um, but instead, their year turned into a pregnancy in dubious circumstances, being given the name of their first child, and then as refugees and homeless. The birth of your first child, that's meant to be a time for celebration, surrounded by family and friends, joyful and exciting. But the line in the passage shows that Mary wrapped the child herself. And so historians suggest that actually this was a lonely birth. Her on her own, no one to be alongside her to celebrate. And I know that's been a reality for, for lots of mothers this year in the season that we're in. And it's a reality for lots of single mothers. This was no squeaky clean nativity. This was no squeaky clean life. Now, I don't think many of us have had immaculate conceptions this year, but it's certainly not been a year that many of us planned for. Holidays at home, distant families, sickness a reality, work uncertain, exams canceled. Who knew that was gonna be a bad thing? And to be honest, Oasis family, you know, we've known uncertainty for, and pain for much longer than just 2020. Um, it's natural in those times of pain to, to look for something to lift you. Glimmers of hope that shine into the darkness. This year hasn't been all, all doom and gloom. And I've, I've had several bits of good news. You know, when a friend texts through saying, the mortgage has been approved, I'm getting the flat. Or another text through a photo of a ring saying, he's finally proposed. And we've even got to celebrate our birthday as a church, despite it being locked down. And that was such a time of joy. My bit of recent good news was getting to put our Christmas tree up in November. I never thought I'd get away with that. 
you see, as I said, I'm a big Christmas fan and my housemates pointed out the other day that you know, despite being a 30-year-old woman, I own no furniture or things to fill a house. But yes, I do have enough Christmas decorations to fill an entire flat and some left over. Yes, there's a Christmas-themed hand soap dispenser and oven gloves. I'm the first to get sucked into the commercialism of it. But it's interesting that normally I'm having to fight with people to get the Christmas tree up in November. Let's get it early. I want to celebrate. But this year, we've been celebrating early. There's been no objections for anyone getting the Christmas tree up, getting the celebrations going. Because I've heard some people say, maybe we want to put a plaster on the pain that's been 2020. We want to hurry it along. We want to get to the end. It's been a painful year, it's been a dark year, and maybe we want to just eat or shop or Christmas film binge our way through to the end. Because you know, there have been moments of joy, but those moments didn't seem to last and they got swallowed up by the reality of our situation at the moment. We're still living in darkness. And lots of the darkness we've got no control over. But if we're honest, some of that darkness comes from within us. The sin in our lives the times that we snap at the train start station staff when the ticket that we organise in advance doesn't seem to work in the machine and now I'm late for my train, or get impatient with our work colleagues when we've got to stay late again because other people aren't, aren't managing to do their roles, or we get angry with our family when we have to debate over who's going to go where for Christmas. And maybe these are just the bits that I'm willing to tell you about the darkness in my own life. You see, the darkness isn't just outside of us. It's in us too. And a Father Christmas-shaped hand soap dispenser can't change that. But Luke 2, something else breaks in. The angels in the story seem to have a different perspective. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Oasis Church, this is the good news of 2020. God of heaven and of earth saw we were in an absolute mess and didn't turn away. He didn't abandon us. He didn't just put a plaster on it. He didn't just go, you know what? It's not worth it. Let's scrap it and start again. No, no, no. He came down into the middle of our mess, into the middle of our tiredness, into the middle of our weariness, into, the, into our pain and into our darkness. God Almighty became human. And not in the form of a mighty soldier or a royal king, but as a vulnerable, needy, dependent baby. Now, coming back from buying our, our house Christmas tree, yes, of course we have a real one. We were getting ourselves in the mood by listening to Alice's Christmas playlist when the hymn A Holy Night came on and I was struck by the words in the first verse that I think really describe how I know I've been feeling. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I don't know about you, but I'm weary. I've seen the mess and the hurt and the pain of a world that's going its own way, not just in COVID land. I've seen the mess and the hurt that I've caused, and this can't carry on. We need rescuing. I need rescuing. The sin in me and in the world is destructive, and I can't fix it. Who likes to be rescued? 
not me. You see, I'm an independent woman who learned to change a tire when she passed her driving test because I wasn't going to get stuck on the side of the road and having to call for help. But I'm also the independent woman who's had to call the AA multiple times to be rescued for exhausts, hanging off, cam belts, braking. Yes, that was pricey. And once even a flat tire that I couldn't get the bolts off. You see, rescue is hard to admit, particularly when our saviour looks like a refugee from a country that no one can find on a map, born in a city that a prophet Micah in the Bible describes the runt of the litter. But you see, our saviour didn't stop as a baby. Jesus came as a baby and grew into a man, a man who brought sight to the blind, life to the dead, a place to be family to those who were abandoned by everyone else. Why is this hope? Why is this hope to us and even to those Palestinian Christians living in Bethlehem today? A Bethlehem that's currently in the midst of a war zone behind a wall that divides Israel and the Palestinian territories. You're going to see a photo pop up. This was taken last year in Bethlehem of the Banksy there. So why is there hope in Bethlehem even today? Well, let me allow Munther Isaac, an Arab theologian and pastor in a church in Bethlehem today to explain why the good news of Jesus brings hope. Christmas, Christmas reminds us that we must look in unexpected places to find God. If you want to find God in the midst of our troubled and messy world, look for God in a cave with a homeless family. Look for God in the midst of refugees. If you want to find God in the midst of our troubled world, you will find God on a cross, suffering with and for us. You will find God beaten, humiliated and dying as a victim of religious and state violence so that we could have life in abundance. This is why the message of Christmas is one of comfort for us in Bethlehem. Why? Because God is coming. God has visited us and we are not left without hope. We are not in despair. God chose to suffer with us. God became part of our messy and ugly world and he sided with the oppressed, the weak, the humble and the poor. When people visit us in Bethlehem and see the difficult situation, they ask me, how do you find hope? But for me to be a Christian is to hope. In Palestine today, I have hope. I have hope because I believe in the God of the resurrection. When asked about hope, I answer by pointing towards Jerusalem. There is an empty tomb which reminds us that life will overcome death, light will overcome darkness, and love will overcome hate. The empty tomb is our prophetic word that gives us hope today. This is not merely wishful thinking or positive thinking. The resurrection is real and therefore our hope is real. Because of the empty tomb, we can hope. Now in this series on Advent, we've obviously been focusing on the first part of the life of Jesus on earth, but Advent means coming. God came to earth to save us from darkness, but church, my family, he is coming again. This is good news. Now let's just pause for a moment. Guys out there, I hate calling you youth, guys, wonderful humans between the age of 11 and 18 who are tuning in this morning. What are some examples of good news that you've had in 2020? And what difference has the good news that I've just talked about made to you? I know you're meeting a bit later on with Dave and Vicky, so have a chance to chat about that then. I yeah, don't think I'm going to let you off the hook just because I'm talking to everyone else. I'm talking to you too. Okay, so let's move on to the good news. But who for? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause joy for all people. 
don't be afraid. Well, it sort of implies that what was going on was pretty intimidating. We kind of get the idea that angels were, were pretty, pretty big beings, pretty feisty. There was a lot of light going on. Now, shepherds were not little piddly, you know, terrified guys out on a, on a hill. They, these were big guys looking out overnight, keeping guard off their sheep, and they were terrified. This was something serious going on. But why did God appear to the, or the angels appear to the shepherds first? Why were they the people to hear the good news? Who even were these shepherds? The saviour of the world arrives and the first people to find out are the smelly outcasts of society. You see, shepherds had a reputation. They tended to be nomadic, not always very honest in their dealings, and their testimony wasn't even relied on in court. Not exactly TikTok fame worthy if you want your news spreading fast. So what does this say about our God? That he picked the nobodies to be the first visitors the saviour of the world, it doesn't make sense. I was listening to a debate this week between the atheist Richard Dawkins and, and one of my heroes, a Christian mathematician, John Lennox. And Richard Dawkins commented how crazy it was that Christians could think that God would bother to come down to earth to rescue us, mankind. Yeah, he's right, it's crazy. And that's what makes it even more amazing. He wasn't interested in fame and celebrity. He was, he was interested in reaching people's hearts those who are open to him. You see, he's interested in you and me. None of us are excluded. No one is too dirty, unfixable, unlovable. This is a little story in a no-place town with nobodies at an unimportant time in history. But it's there for you and it's there for me. This gospel, this is good news, this is good news for you, not just on Christmas Day, wherever you're spending it, be it on your own, be it at work, be it with family. Not even just for the month of December or stretching into November. This is good news for all seasons, in all times, in all places, to all people. It will cause great joy for all people. Now, this is not a joy that just slaps a smile on your face when someone's suffering. This is a joy that comes in the midst of suffering. Because it's not a joy that's rooted in the situation that you're in. It's rooted in the expectation of it coming good, of what is to come. Connected to a future hope. This is a biblical sense of hope, which is not an aimless optimism, but a certainty that the God who has been faithful before will be faithful again. But my situation's impossible to fix. No, he is wonderful counsellor. My mess, it's just too messy. No, he is mighty God. But I can't carry on like this. I'm forgivable. You don't need to. He can. He is everlasting father. But I'm not worthy. He is prince of peace. But my pain's too much. He's been there. He knows heartbreak. He knows isolation. He knows abandonment, betrayal and uncertainty. This is good news. This is good news for you and it's good news for me. Now, I must say the next bit, I'm not going to have to get through without crying, so we're going to see how we go. Um, I'm a crier at anything. I cried at the Utterly Bustly advert once, so anyway. Some of you will be familiar with the story of the Chronicles of Narnia, a brilliant group of stories that draw lots of parallels with the Christian story. And in the story, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, the land of Narnia is under a dark curse and makes it forever winter, never Christmas. 
That is until Aslan the lion comes into the picture. And Aslan is, in this story, is a powerful regal lion whose surprising death seems to be the end of the story. But the story doesn't end there. Aslan rises again and puts an end to the curse that consumed and crippled the land of Narnia. The people of Narnia had never given up hope, you see. They'd hung on to a promise. And this is the promise. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight at the sound of his roar. Sorrows will be no more. When he bares his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we will have spring again. And I don't know what 2020, sorry, 2021 is going to hold. But I know this. In Jesus, we have good news that will bring joy for all people. This is not the end, Oasis family. Jesus is coming again. We will have spring again. Now, maybe you're starting to feel a stirring in your heart. As you can see, I seem to have it all constantly. You recognise that this is a message you needed to hear and you know it in your heart that you need to respond. It's hard to recognise that things aren't right and that you need rescuing. And perhaps you've been trying for too long to go your own way and it's not been working out. I have all people recognise how hard it is to see that you need rescuing. But when I put my trust in Jesus that first time and then each and every day, he doesn't disappoint. He's been faithful to me in the trials and the joys, in the good and the bad. And each time I cry out to him from a place of pain or from a place of joy, I know that he hears me and that he responds. So if you want to respond either for the first time or not for the first time this morning, I'm going to pray a really simple prayer that you can pray alongside me. And it basically just recognises Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I'm sorry that I've been going my own way and instead I'm going to ask, I'm going to follow Jesus. And the response really is that simple. So what I'm going to suggest that you do, if you feel you can, is close your eyes just to get rid of those distractions and put your arms out in front of you. Okay. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. In your name. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer for the first time, I really want to encourage you to reach out and tell someone, maybe the person that invited you to come along this morning, or, or if not, to drop us an email, admin at theoasischurch.com. Now, it's not because we're wanting to keep track of you, but we know this is a journey. And the best way to go on a journey is to go with people, not on your own. So we want to come alongside you and say, welcome to the family. But maybe you're not in a place to respond, and that's absolutely fine. The end of this passage describes Mary's response to what was going on. Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them. Now, I'm an internal processor. I know what that feels like. I know when I just need to work some things through in my mind. And when you're in a place to do so... I'd encourage you to reach out and continue that journey with us, continue that processing with us, because we want to be here too. Now, what did the shepherds do after they heard this great news that was, that was for them? They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which was just as they'd been told. That's why we sing, that's why we worship, that's why we praise, because we know the good news and we're taking hold of it for ourselves. So that's what we're going to do now. I'm going to hand over to Abby and our excellent band and we're going to spend a bit of time worshipping and praising the God who came down into our mess to rescue us, 
because he loves us.